<laughs> mm-hmm. Don't tell anyone that we're talking right now because if we're talking, they. Good evening, church. Pat and I are having too much fun. Every now and then I want to walk up on stage and, and say hi to you and then whisper in his ear with the microphone on. <laughs> I'll let everyone get their seats and then we'll get started. We're going to Matthew 6 where we left off last week. We'll pick up there and Pat has authorized me tonight to continue with positive mental attitude, so pick up there where we left off. Let's go to God in prayer. Our fabulous God in heaven, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to come together tonight, prepared to be renewed and strengthened from your word. We ask, Lord God, that you will use the words that you have given to us tonight to give us that encouragement to remain faithful to you until we leave this earth and give us the strength, Lord God, to fight all the way until we come back again. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ to be thy will. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, positive mental attitude, worry Worry, worry, right? We don't have to worry. Um, we, so people come and they say, okay, I want, this is what I want. I want to be loved. And everybody wants that. Um, I want to know that, that people have my best interest at heart. People come to talk about that. And those two statements are not always um, things that are going to happen to the liking of the individual who might complain because some people say no one loves me, which, you know, usually isn't ever true. Um, no one has my, my back or will support me, which usually isn't true. We usually speak in hyperbolic statements, right? You know, nobody loves me like we were younger growing up, everybody's going to be there. So we want to be there. Matthew 6 is the, is the answer for uh, God's people. Uh, when we have the question in our mind, is there, is there someone who knows? Is there someone who cares? Is there someone who loves me? Right? And if God loves you, and God knows, and God cares, then we know that wherever it is we're going through, it's going to come in stages or in seasons, right? It's not going to be there forever. It comes and it goes and then something else comes and it goes. And, and God is the one who ensures that each stage that comes our way is, is not beyond or above what we're able, but gives us a way out if we're in the mindset of uh, being ready and able to listen and to learn. Um, have you ever been in a situation where you wondered to yourself, is there any way out? Right. And you had to maybe search for it or wait for it or 
as you consider changing direction, you weren't sure which way to go, but you knew you couldn't continue to do the same things you've been doing. Something has to change. A lot of us have been there before, right? See, in God, we can have, even in those desperate moments and times of despair, we can have not only hope, but we can have um, clarity of mind because we know that God has promised and never has forsaken us or uh, left us or abandoned us. He never will. He never has. Right? And so, so we know we're okay. And I think that's what's important in life when we are um, going through life and we're going through these stages to step back from our trouble for just a moment and remind ourselves everything's going to be okay. Does that mean we don't, we don't die? No, it doesn't mean that. Does that mean it doesn't hurt? No, it doesn't mean that. It just simply means that the creator and the master of the whole world and universe knows and he cares. We left off there last week, so I want to pick up in verse 30 of Matthew chapter 6. But if God so raised, and by the way, this is what court came to me last week with and said, hey, you didn't finish it. And I said, that's next week. <laughs> he said, oh, okay. But if God so raised the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? What is the comparison in that verse? What is God really trying to say in verse 30? The grass and then the human. What is he trying to say to us? Any ideas? What do you think of when you read that verse? What do we know about grass? Now, thank you for bringing up the title, the word cycle. Does it happen every year? I mean, it, snow's going away now. It's starting to melt. And what do we see? Grass. <laughs> every, so we, we learn from the grass of the field that's in a, a cycle. Every year, it goes away. And every year, it comes back. Right? So who's consistent? God, right? In every cycle, it's always, always God's will, ultimate will, desire, command, etc. comes to play where God says every year that grass is going to go away and every year it's going to come back. Now, wh what do we do to that grass every year? What do we do? Yeah, we tend to it, we water it, we cut it. We, right? Sometimes we abuse it. You know, you ever you put a pool on it and it just kills the grass, but it comes back, right? What did you say, Court? Yeah, right. Yeah, we, we just it, it doesn't even matter in a way, right? We 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 use it when we use it. We like it when we like it, and then it's just grass. <laughs> and God says, but the way that you spend time caring for just grass. What do you think I'm going to do for you? And I'm God. You, you see the relationship, right? The greatness of God toward humans 
as opposed to an inanimate object, a grass, it's, it's alive, I guess. Inanimate isn't the proper word to use, but it's grass. That's all. Are there people that feel lower than grass at times? Yeah, right? They feel less than grass. So the words that we have that we can use, especially for God's people, is we can remind them um, and remind ourselves, and we'll look at a verse about reminding ourselves also of the value that you really have in Christ. You are so valuable to God. And if God has to go to the very, very bottom, why does he go to the very, very bottom, though, and use grass as an illustration? Because that's where some people are, right? Some, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but I met some folks down there who felt lower than the grass, right, in this world. And, and you hear things like, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not worthy to be, you know, this, this idea of self-esteem or the lack thereof. So God goes to the very, very bottom. He gets the person at the very, very bottom. And then, and then God reminds us even from a, a living bird, that birds of the air, they're flying, yet you're more valuable than a bird. And so he, he gives us two different, uh, if you will, uh, spectrums or ideas of life. And he says, you're more important to me than even... And then he goes on with his, his analogy. And so if we can go all the way to the bottom, then we can go to anything else. And God says, so here's what I need you to do, Christians. Let me try. Give me a chance. Right? Do not be anxious, verse 31. Do not be anxious then, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we clothe ourselves? When the rain falls, who, who makes that happen? God. And who benefits from it? The very, very bottom, the grass, right, the ground, to everyone else that's, everything else that exists. Don't worry about your life. So, positive mental attitude is, oh, I'm in a terrible time. I don't know what I'm going to do. And we start panicking. God says, don't do that. Don't. Pray. How often should we pray? Without ceasing. Right? Do it in good times and in bad times. Just keep on praying. Now here's what we know. If we pray, God is what? He's listening, right? And and the great thing is is that he already knows. So we're thankful for that. He's looking, uh, he's uh, desiring to support us and care for us. All right, so he says, okay, here's what I need you to do. Don't be anxious, verse 32. For all these things, all right, now he goes into another, here's another thought. For all these things, allow me to insert some words that, that aren't in here. For all these things, the agnostics eagerly seek. For all these things, the atheists eagerly seek. For all these things, the world eagerly seeks. For all these things, the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. In other words, God says, look, these are human things. I get it. I made you. Everybody's seeking for that. The difference is, I'm going to take care of you. Because I'm God. I'm going to take care of my people. We don't have to be like the Gentiles and say, oh God, how? We don't have to do that. We, can, we know that he will. Do we have to know how? No. Right? We just know that he will. Right? That's good enough. So then we say, okay, Lord, so then I need something to focus on when I'm worrying or struggling. Or, and what does he say? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And I'll take care of the rest. So what's he saying there? Take care of your soul. 
That's the key. Take care of your soul. And that's the most valuable and important piece of who you will ever be and who we are. Take care of your soul. Number one, your soul. So I live life and I do the very best I can in service to the Lord. And in the end, people at the very, very bottom that honor God and serve God, they make it to heaven. And people at the very, very top that honor God and serve God, they make it to heaven according to God's grace. So it really doesn't matter the in-between, does it? Take care of your soul. Everybody can do that. You see how great that is? Everyone of us can take care of our souls. Right? We do that through prayer. We do that through relationship with our God. So verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. What things, God? The things that the world longs for, seeks after. This is their world. Let me give you a thought. It's never a good thing. A person's house burns down. I remember one time I was in, um, some of you that were with me, in Tortola, and I, we were at the bottom of a hill, and we were, we were eating a meal, and we looked to the top of the hill, and there was a home, a dwelling of someone, and it was burning to the ground. And we sat there, that, you know, we were in another place, and, and yet we yelled, wait, is there a 911? What, what do we do? You know, we got to spring into action. How do we help? Well, there's no 911. It's a poor place. There's, so we asked, well, what, do you, what do you all do? And they said, well, it will burn down, and they will have to build another one. They'll lose everything they own, and um, there's nothing that can be done. There's no insurance. I mean, there was nothing. We were pretty saddened about that. We thought, well, what are, what are, what are they going to do? And then you reflect on Matthew 6. Well, how are they? Their souls are okay. Yeah, people are going to take care of them. They'll just go live with someone else until they can build a new structure. I thought, how simple, right? How simple that would, you know, that was for them to say, oh, we'll, just, we'll just build a new one and start over and be fine. Well, think about when that happens to us. Right? In the world, that's all they have. But for us, oh, thank God we have insurance and all those things, but it's not the end of the world, right? We don't want that tragedy to happen to us, but it's not the end of the world. We can still, even in, in things like this tragedy or trouble, we can still seek first our soul, right? That was the number one thing that they mentioned to us was they never mentioned things. You know, I don't know what would have been inside of that structure, but all they said was the people are okay, it'll be fine. Yeah, that's, I guess that's right. Our souls. So God says, don't worry, because the, the world, they, but, but for you, for me, we have to seek um, our souls. And then, and then verse 34, and then he says, here's something you need to remember. Tomorrow's another day. We were just talking about that one day at a time, right? Stuff's going to happen tomorrow too, church. It's not going to. Why, God? Because Satan, right, Revelation 12, is here, and he doesn't want us to be happy. That's why. 
In fact, Revelation 12 says he knows his time is short, and so he's full of wrath. So every day he's trying to mess up our stuff to get to our soul. And God says, mm, don't get it backwards. Take care of your soul, and don't worry about your stuff. I'll take care of the rest. See, that's what God wants us to do, right? Verse 34 says, uh, Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, how do we know, God, that tomorrow is going to take care of itself? Every year the grass does what? <laughs> it goes away and every year. comes The cycle of life, right? The cycle of life. The thing that lives on forever is our soul. Our relationship with God is most important. Okay, so here's what Job says. Uh, Job 14. And I want to get this, this, this one in because I, I want us to be able to go back to the most important and powerful. Job says this. When, can you imagine in the first century you're trying to bring someone to Christ and you teach them about Jesus and they say, you know, I've heard that, um, you know, we could, we could be killed tomorrow for serving Jesus. What would have been their answer? You know, I don't know. You know, at least you get to go to hell. I don't know what they would have said. But here's what Job says. Even if you're not a Christian, you can die tomorrow. Right? Everybody dies. Everyone struggles. Everyone struggles. Christians, non-Christians, everyone struggles. Verse 1, man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. Thou also dost open thine eyes on him and bring him to judgment with thyself. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one, since his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee, and his limits thou hast set, so that he cannot pass. Turn thy gaze from him, that he may rest until he fulfills his day like a hired man. So Job says, you know, um, every man, every person, every human, and every, every one of us are going to struggle. So, so the cure to mental anguish in this life is struggle for a purpose. Right? First um, Peter uh, chapter 4, do not, do not be troubled because you're a troublemaker, but do it for the glory of God. Right? Live right, do right, be right. And we can have a positive mental attitude because we're rewarded for good behavior. Right? We like rewards, right? So God rewards us for good behavior. And he curses those who have bad behavior. That's kind of the whole idea, isn't it? The whole thought is, well, the ones that do good are rewarded, and the ones that do bad are not rewarded, or they get a reward, but it's the opposite. We're talking about the reward in the end, not necessarily in this life. Okay, so over to Hebrews, just to kind of now bring it into perspective, says everyone suffers. Here's what God has to say about that for his people. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Let your character be free from the love of money. See, here's the opposite, right? Money, is take care, money takes care of us, supposedly. The love of money. Being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. What more can we ask for, church? I mean, if you really think about it, we're talking about the number one thing is take care of our souls. And God says, you take care of your soul, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. 
I will never know, not ever, is actually how that reads. I will never know, not ever leave you. I will never know, not ever forsake you. I will never. How do we know? Every year the grass does what? <laughs> it comes, and every year, and the birds, right? I remember one, one year, this is kind of silly, but allow me for just a moment. It was really cold outside, and I remember looking at one of those crows, and it was pretty close, and I was looking into his eyes, dark eyes, and I, and I thought this crazy thought. Aren't your eyeballs cold? <laughs> right? Of course, he didn't answer me. I don't know why. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, when I'm riding a motorcycle, you're, you know, it's, you just put glasses on or goggles or, and they fly. And it was like, I don't know, it was 20 below. And they were flying like it was nothing. And I thought, aren't your eyeballs cold? <laughs> and I was just being silly, but I was thinking to myself, God really took care of that raven, or that crow, rather. God takes care of the birds. And I just remind myself over and over again, God is really taking care of us. Every day you can see it. Every single day we can see that God is taking care of us. God designed us in such a way to where we survive. He made us to where we can, um, we can do things that are necessary for us to live in this life, even comfortably, because God knows and God cares. And so we can have a positive mental attitude because God isn't going anywhere. Isn't that great? When I'm down, God's not going anywhere. When I'm up, God's not going anywhere. God says, I will never leave you, desert you. I will never abandon you, ever. That's good news, church, right? I'm excited about that. That's that go, go, go. I'm with you. You don't have to go by yourself, right? We're not going at this alone. And when I feel alone, God says, no. Why would you feel alone? When I'm trying to tell you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm always there. Right? And then he takes it one step further to um, remove all doubt. And he says, oh, by the way, I'm in you. Right? Isn't that exciting? Right? So you know he's always there. And he knows me inside out. And so he knows everything that I need. And uh, he's watching over and blessing and caring. And, and Paul says it while suffering there's something he figured out. Um, let's go look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's, let's ask the question, what did he figure out? Right. 12 verse 9. He had this amazing revelation. God blessed him, but God wanted him to not sin and so lose his soul, right? Through arrogance and pride because of what he saw. Uh, verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness. Is that opposite of what we're... Is that, the op, that is kind of opposite, isn't it? That almost sounds strange. Power is perfected in strength. And God says, no, that's not how it works. Power is perfected in weakness. What does that mean? How does that relate to us? Power is perfected in weakness. What, can, what do I know? Do, am I strong and powerful or am I weak and vulnerable? I'm weak and vulnerable, right? All of us are. I mean, we're just a, we're just a, a whole, we're just dirt. <laughs> we're just clay. And we're uh, weak and, yeah, we're, we're weak, aren't we? Right? Just, we're very weak. Invulnerable. 
And yet, with God, we're the most powerful people on this earth. We have the power of prayer, right? And so Paul, Paul learned that. And Paul recognized his weakness because he was going up against the Roman Empire. And he was teaching, and he was, he was in chains, and, and they would take him away. And, and he says, power, God says, power is perfected in weakness. And then he says, he's quoting Jesus, most gladly, therefore, or rather boast about my weaknesses, that the power of Christ may dwell in me. What happens when people begin to boast about weaknesses in our world today? <laughs> we don't want to talk to them. <laughs> I lost the race. Well, how, what happened? Well, I just, I did my very best, but I came in last place. And we used to have a joke about that. You don't have to train at all to come in last place, right? He says, but I learned a lot about myself in that weakness. What'd you learn? Well, you know, when I ran and they started, talk, started talking about their weaknesses and no one talks about weaknesses. But how weak and vulnerable are we? You know how many prayers I pray before I come up here and teach? It's not me. I'm, Lord, I, I, I can't do this. I can't do this with you. I need your help. Please guide me, touch me, bless me. Open my eyes, open my ears, get me to hear, help me to see, bless me to learn, help me to grow. I, I need you, God. Every sermon, every Bible class. How often do you pray before you go up before an audience with this, what is the Greek word, dynamo, with this dynamite in your hand, right? Careful, cautious, be careful because this is the very word of God. Don't twist it, don't mix it. Don't get it wrong. Don't mess it up. Don't make an error. Tell the truth. Stick with only what you know. Say, Lord, but I don't know much. Just stick with that. Okay. Right? I'm weak. I don't mind admitting that. The apostle reminds us that even though we're weak, though, where do I get my strength from? Why am I here? Because someone, the creator, wants me right here. You have to love 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God placed every one of you in the church where he wanted you. Where are you in the church? What's God using you for? What talent do you have? What are you willing to do for God? But I'm weak. That's where he can use you, right? So power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am weak, right? No. Strong. Because I rely on the Father and not on myself. That's the difference, right? When you're standing against the opponent, Satan, and we're standing against life, <laughs> can't win this. We're like that little snowflake. By itself, hold your finger out, it'll melt away. But as a team, it can wreak havoc on all of us, right? And so we need God, and God is there for us, and it's okay. It's okay to feel weak if you give it to God, right? Physical ailment, spiritual, whatever it may be, in our lives. Give it all to God. Do it in good times and in bad times. Right? Look at Second um, Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Here's, this verse is often used in the negative, but it's, it's a positive verse. Right? Test yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. 
Test yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Well, okay, we, we get it. There are so many who have failed the test. But the joy of looking inside of you and recognizing that I'm God's child and remembering that he's the king. If, go back to ancient times and think about you're, you're a child of the king. And the king walks into the room and, and you may be the fifth child or the sixth child or whatever. It doesn't matter. You're a child of the king and nobody's going to mess with you when you're around the king. And if anyone does mess with you, the king will take care of it. Okay, so that's an earthly thing. We're children of the creator, of the king. We are, we're okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like, why are you so happy? My father's the king. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> My father's the king, and he, he, he says, I'll, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, and, and I'm always taking this inventory, and my inventory says, seek first my soul, right? Seek first the kingdom, the church, and his righteousness. I'm a part of the church, part of the kingdom, so I'm seeking first this relationship with the king, and in so doing, the king promises never to leave me nor forsake me. Therefore, whatever I'm going through in life, the king's with me. When I was going through some real bad stuff, the king was right there going through it with me. So someone created a sign or a poem, a footprints in the sand. Right? I think it's pretty neat. The king's with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. It's going to be all right. I know it's going to be all right. I know it's going Why? Every year the grass does what? The cycle of life always begins with God and it ends with God if you stay with God. Right? So I can be happy about my life even though you watch negative television, you know, the news, you know, everything bad's on the news, Right? And at the very end, they'll have this little blurb. Oh, by the way, right? It's bad, negative, 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 negative. But, but I'm a child of the king. And so, so I can have a positive mental attitude because I'm reminded in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 that God is in me, and the God who's in me is the God who promises never to forsake me, never to leave me. I just have to seek God first, always, with all things, his kingdom and his righteousness. And God says, I'll take care of the rest. Do I believe that, though? And then one day I stumbled across in my younger days in walking in faith, um, Philippians chapter uh, 3. And as I was reading through, and I, I happened to get there, and I, I read this verse, and then I, I realized, and it was a, a moment in my life at that time when I was like, wow, this is pretty tough, you know, because you're kind of you having to get rid of some of your friends that aren't, that aren't going to lead you properly, and you gotta, you have to be strong enough to walk away from them and, and do what God wants, but you go, then I'm going to be all alone. And then you read like Hebrews 13, okay, I'm not alone, and, and John and other passages, and you go, okay, we can do this, I can do this through Christ. And then you, I stumble across this verse, Philippians 3.12, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. We read that last week. But it's verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I went, well, that's not true. 
I didn't believe. How about you? I didn't truly believe. I thought, no, I can't do that. Brother, can you help us? Oh, no, I can't. I mean, look at me. I'm just a, I'm a brand new babe in Christ. I can't. I, well, can you pray for me? Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I could pray for you, but I don't really know what to say. I can't. It was all this, I can't, I can't, I can't. Right? And then, and then I read another scripture that, that and it's in Philippians 2, and it's verse uh, 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And someone said, hey, if God's in you and working in you, then how much of this stuff are you actually doing? And I said, oh, oh yeah, I guess you're right. So God's not only in me, he's helping me. Yeah, he's, he's helping me. Oh, so how much is he doing and how much am I doing, right? And he says, you're weak and vulnerable. He's strong. You can do it. Give it to God. And did my first devotional. <laughs> Shaking and, you know, keys in your pocket. And never do that, right? Never leave keys in your pocket. But, was God in me? Yep. Did God help me? Yep. And you know when I finished my first devotional that I said I can't do, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. When I finished, all the brother came and said, Boy, you did a great job. You did, I knew I did a horrible job, right? But you did a great job. You know what? You let God help you. Even though you didn't trust him too much, you let him help you. And you know what? It worked out fine. You know what the most important part of that was? And I said, what? You told the truth. And you stood behind the Bible. And I said, oh, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> Everything changed, right? Oh, I could stand. I could tell the truth. Tell the truth. And stay behind the word, so then God is doing his work. All right, so anyway, uh, and, and look at this. I don't know, many, many years later, here I am still, still doing the thing I said I could never do. Because of who? Because of me? Because, because I'm weak and vulnerable, but God is strong. And he's always been with me, right, through, through the teaching of his word. And because I know I can't, I can't do it without him. I pray and pray and pray and besiege and pray and pray. I love praying to him because I need him right? all the time. Right? Here's the, the, next, the next point that I want to get to now, just to leave that. Ephesians 4. So 2 Corinthians 13, 5 said, you know, look at yourself. Examine yourself. and let, Let's see if you're, really, if you're really in the faith and and then you say, okay, I've examined myself, and thank you, God, for that. And, all right, and I've got that. I have it in my heart. I understand the truth of God's word. I've done it the way God wanted me to do it. I got baptized into Christ, and, and he washed my sins away, and gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit, and resurrected me, and all those things. And, and then God says, i got one thing for you to do, Tony, and this is something you have to choose to do. Okay, Lord, what is that? Uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 25. Therefore, laying aside all falsehoods, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And be angry, and yet do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. I need you to resolve all your problems from today to today. All of them. Don't go to bed angry. You want to be happy and positive? Fix today what you can fix today. Today. In regards to anger that's in my heart, right? Whether it be with my spouse, my children, my friends, 
my enemies, whomever it may be, with. In order to maintain a positive mental attitude, you have to fix the stuff today that needs to be fixed today. And you can never go to bed angry. Ever. And the great news is, I have never always gone to bed angry. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Yeah. You ever gone to bed angry? Here's an almost guarantee. You'll never wake up happy. (laughs) You know, you never wake up going, what a beautiful day we got through yesterday. Everything's great. Nope, you kind of wake up angry and frustrated and flustered, right? Um, the, The text goes on to say, do not give do not give the devil an opportunity. So that tells me something's going on at night that I'm not always aware of, right? So I want to grab some scriptures from the Old Testament that, you know, they, they fit and they just get the idea, the general idea of what's being stated, although it's in, con- you know, the context is dealing with situations, but I want us just to grab a thought from those texts that relate to us in one way or another. So the first place I want to go is to Hosea chapter, uh, chapter 7. And I want us to go to verse 6. So if I go to bed angry, God says, do not give the devil an opportunity. So that tells me that something about Satan is taking advantage of my vulnerability, my weakness, for violating God's law of going to bed angry. And I'm trying to be positive and do the right thing, but if I go to bed angry, I'm going to find trouble. So listen to what it says. Hebrew, uh, Hosea 7 and verse 6. For their hearts are like an oven as they approach their plotting. Their anger smolders all night. That's what I want us to grab. In the morning it burns like a flaming fire. You ever been there? Okay, you know, contextually, it's talking about uh, Ephraim and the sin that they, they were a part of. But the idea behind it is, is that that anger doesn't just go away at night. It's almost like God is saying, hey, your subconscious mind takes over at night, and it starts working things out, and it will help you out in your anger. If that's where you want to live, and that's where you want to be, you'll wake up with it. It will hang on to it for you. All right, when you get up, I'll give it back to you. You know, your subconscious mind doesn't sleep, right? And so when you go to bed angry, it's like, it's like hot embers, if you will, and you put water on them, and you try to douse them, but they just, they're still hot. And those things can burn for a long, long time, can't they? They smolder. That's like our anger. And so if we're going to be what God wants us to be, we have to fix all the stuff that we need to fix today, before bedtime. You ever had a late night because of this situation? Well, I can't sin, so we got to work this out. <laughs> Right. You ever been there? The preacher can't be there. Yeah, been there before. Got to work it out, right? And you know what? You know that you, sometimes it, it it means it means that I have to humble myself and say I'm sorry and I was wrong, right? But I don't want to apologize. I want to fight. No, you you got to go say you're sorry. I don't want to say I'm sorry yet. Yeah, but you have to go say you're sorry, or you get to stay awake all night. It's going to be a long day tomorrow, right? Okay, I'll go because I'm tired. No, go because it's right, right? Go because it's right. 
You'll feel better in the morning because God said so. Because you did not give the devil an opportunity to work on you through the night. The next one I want to look at is uh, Micah chapter 2 and verse 1. This is about evil people, right, striving to wreak havoc in the lives of someone else. And Micah 2, verse 1, um, Woe to those who scheme iniquity, who work out evil on their beds, and when morning comes, they do it, for it is in the power of their hands. So just kind of thinking about the anger smoldering, and then my subconscious mind working on issues through the night, and then in the morning I get this great idea, and I go with it. Well, let's think about that in a more practical sense um, that we're willing to talk about. Have you ever gone to bed? Two things. You ever gone to bed and waking up with a song on your mind? You ever done that? <laughs> right? Yeah. So something's, somebody's awake up here, huh? Subconscious mind is awake. <laughs> right? Number two, have you ever, you know, had a mat test and you worked on it all afternoon or whatever it is in your life? And, and in the morning, you figured it out. You wake up and you go, I got it now. Right? Or whatever it is, right? Because something's awake and working at night. So now, you ever gone a bit angry? And then, okay, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and then we wake up angry. Right? So God wants us to work out all the bad stuff. Get it out today. Right? And, and don't go to bed angry. And, and you'll watch what it does to your attitude. Amazingly, it will change our attitudes. God told us, Job through, and then through Job, and then Jesus told us, tomorrow's got enough stuff. You want to bring anger into tomorrow? It's just going to make things worse. Right? My attitude is going to be horrible because it's already horrible because I'm already angry. And I might be angry when it's, when it's not really due and it's not really just. So... Go and say sorry tonight. Before you go to bed, fix it, and you'll sleep sweet. Just be done with it, right? All right, so, Lord, when we come back, we'll, um, we'll look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I have to love that one. And uh, we'll pick up from there. Thank you for your time tonight. Certainly appreciate it. The uh, second bell is going to ring in just a few minutes. So, one of those few times where the preacher gives you time back. Oh, it's yours. Thank you. <laughs>